And now Rosemary is going to bring to us our readings. Our first reading is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, um, chapter 6, verses 1 to 3 and verse 10. And you can find it on page 1172 of your Pew Bibles. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he, dece- he deceives himself. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And our second reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. <clears throat> And that can be found on page 1061 of your Pew Bibles. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning from me. Uh, I realised this morning when I was um, getting ready and, and getting up and coming to uh, that May the 13th, my mother's birthday, uh, she would have been 104 today. And I just have such lovely memories of mum uh, who prayed for me every day, I believe, of, of my life uh, while she was around. And... Um, you know, the power of prayer in someone's life, and uh, my life changed so much over the course of the years, and I thank, thank God for all that he's done and worked in me and answered those many prayers that she sent up. One prayer that she used to have was, when you preach, don't preach for more than 20 minutes. <laughs> so, um, let's pray before we start. Come, Holy Spirit, and just help us to welcome your word as the living word of God. Allow it to work in us so that we will act upon it and play our part in building your kingdom here on earth. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this is week three of Paraclesis. Who was here for week one? Oh, some of us, good. Week two, anybody? Good, well, this is week three. And you all know what paraclesis means? Oh, who's going to tell me? Anybody? Good. Well, you better listen so you do know if um, Ian asks you next week. Uh, Paraclesis, it's that reminder that uh, when we hear that word, when we think about it, Paraclesis, coming alongside other people, coming alongside them and sharing with them in such a way that we help them, that we care for them, we comfort them, we encourage them. 
paraclesis people, as it were, on the way. Well, in the last two weeks, for those of you who have been here, you'll know that we looked at caring and we looked at loving. And today we're going to explore how we journey with people. Can you latch on to that? How we journey with people. You know, Jesus was always journeying with people. And the gospel accounts record that wherever he was, wherever he went, he met up with other people. And he stopped to get alongside them, enabling them just to open up their lives to him. And we're going to, do, we're going to look at a particular story, an account, uh, in a moment, of the way that Jesus set about walking and journeying with others as we uh, look at the story that Rosemary's read to us uh, about Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus. But we're going to follow some of the details that are in the uh, Paraclesis book. Have you got a book with you? Uh, and uh, if you've got the new book, it's on page 60 that we start. If you've got the old book, it's page 56. I hope it's 60. I hope we've all got the new one. Do you know, as we travel through life, there are going to be challenges on that journey. Um, whether we say the challenge of the journey, as the book suggests, or the challenges of that journey, neither here nor there. But there are challenges. And Job, of course, reminds us uh, in his word uh, that life has its ups and downs. True, isn't it? Come on, for all of us. Uh, let's not hide from that fact. Uh, what does uh, Job say? Man is born to trouble. Born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. And then Hosea follows that up too. And he says, uh, and writes about the valley of trouble. The valley of trouble that we go through. And then he adds that lovely phrase that follows, and he says, it can be transformed into a door of hope. We're going through the valley of trouble. That valley can be transformed into a door of hope. And you know, we're going to see as we look ahead, and it's a reminder that God can use us to be that door of hope for others when we journey with them in their valley of trouble. David, too, of course, speaks about hardships in life, doesn't he? And that phrase that we all know all too well, you can recite it with me, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That valley of death. But what does he add? You are with me. Somebody journeying with him, the Lord Jesus, work journeying with him in that valley of death. And of course, all of Psalm 23 is a reminder of how uh, the Lord journeyed with David. He talks about how the Lord shepherds him, how the Lord guides him, directs him, supports him at every stage of life. Read that psalm again and you'll just get that full picture of the Lord journeying with David side by side. So, there is, first of all, that challenge of the journey. Remember, too, there is also a gift on the journey. I'm quoting from the message here, and in 2 Corinthians, 
Listen carefully. It says, Jesus comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Do you know, in our three congregations, here, 8 o'clock this morning, I was with them, here now, and I'm going on to St. George's, I think probably about 100 of us will be listening and following this Paraclesis series. And you know, between us, we have an absolute wealth of life experiences. Just stop for a moment and just think, even here, of the valleys of trouble that we have been through. The hard times, the events and circumstances that have come our way. Oh, I could list a whole lot, lots of things. You know, it could be a broken relationship that somebody's experienced. Bereavement, we all go in some way through, through that at some stage. Job loss, financial problem, it could be illness, it can go on. But you know, as we reflect on those experiences, just think of one experience that you've had. How we need to see how God came alongside us with his grace and mercy and truth and peace. He was there with us. We don't always recognize it at the time. When we look back, we can really appreciate God's help and encouragement and presence then. And now let's look on what we have experienced as a resource to be drawn upon, as a gift that God has given us to give to others who find themselves in a similar situation. That's part of our journey, and it's the gift of that journey that we now have, we've received, so that we can give it to others and share it with others. So the challenge, the gift, and the third one is the process of the journey. Do you know there are so many who we meet uh, in the course of a week who are going through hard times. I don't know where you've been if you don't meet people who are going through hard times. I, I, I meet them regularly. And they don't always tell me something about themselves, but they may be telling me something about their neighbour or uh, somebody in their family. What do we do about it? when we hear this sort of thing. And if we ever offer to pray there and then. Do I got a friend who phones fairly regularly and as we're talking on the telephone, things come up. What have you been doing, Brian, this last week and who have you met and what have you you know, etc. etc. Something comes up into conversation, somebody in trouble, some situation that needs uh, really a, a miracle almost to put it right what does he say the other end come on Brian let's pray about it now and we pray on the telephone oh would that we did that every time that we meet somebody and they share with us their problems their difficulties or somebody else's the valley that they're going through what an opportunity to come alongside them See, 
Paul says in his letter to the church in Thessalonica, gently encourage the stragglers, reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person and attentive to individual needs. There's a reference in scripture to paraclesis, another translation of the word paraclesis, is a consolation. Yes, you know, wherever there are people in whatever kind of valley of trouble they're in, we are invariably in a position to bring consolation, to be there for them and to bring that calmness, that peace, that easing, that soothing of hurts, helping them to find rest and to give them hope. What we receive from the Lord, we're in a position to pass on and to share something of that with them. And we are to be in that process of consoling the sad, the bereaved, the heartbroken, the distressed, the dejected, the disillusioned, the downcast. Yes, they're there. They come our way. Part of the process of our journey is to meet with them and to come alongside them. Well, As I mentioned earlier, Jesus met with two such dejected, disillusioned, downcast individuals on the Emmaus Road. I know it's a familiar account, but let's just see how Jesus set, if you like, a model or a pattern that we can follow. As he journeyed with those folk on that Emmaus Road, listen very carefully to how he set about consoling them, meeting with them, encouraging them, building them up, whatever. Let's see if we could follow that pattern as well. Page 61, if you've got the booklet. You see, in that account um, that... Rosemary's read to us from Luke's Gospel. The disciples are talking about a living memory on one hand and a present reality on the other. What is their living memory? Their memory is that, oh, they've been hoping and waiting for this man, Jesus, to be the saviour and deliverer of Israel. Oh, wow, this is what's going to happen. And now the reality is that this hope, this dream, has died on the cross and it's been buried in a tomb. And if you, we'd been there and you can pick it up as you read that passage, they're speaking in a language of despair, aren't they? They're confused, they're struggling, they're trying to, oh, trying in some way to link up the hopes and the memories of the past with the reality of their present situation. And they just can't bring them together. And then St. Luke tells us that Jesus himself drew near. Yes, Jesus came along. He comes. He comes to connect with them. And he comes to commit to them as well. He joins them on this journey. <laughs> He's in for a pretty long haul, isn't he? How far was it? 
seven miles. Yeah, somebody was listening. Yes, seven miles. Even Rosemary remembered. She'd read it, didn't she? Yes, seven miles that they, they, they went. How long would that have taken? Three hours? Three hours or so? And Gen- Jesus is very gently caught up with them. Hasn't barged in, is he? Read it again if you want to. He hasn't hijacked or controlled the conversation. He's just been there. And his presence, initially, that's what matters most. The fact that he was with them. Just walking along. Joining them. Then slowly, little by little, he just builds a rapport with them. Yes, they were deep in conversation, and he just patiently walked beside them, didn't jump in and say, hi guys, look at me, here I am, risen from the dead. You know who I am, don't you? No, no. Simply built rapport with a very quiet, calm, soothing presence, just bringing and being the peace of God. And sensitively, he just listened to their story. That's all he did at this stage. Just listened to what they were saying. But he wants them to talk, doesn't he? Because he actually uses what the book refers to, I rather like it, refers to it as a door opener. He uses a door opener. Good reminder, isn't it? We can use door openers when somebody's trying to tell us something and, and, and they shut up and you give them another door opener to say a little bit more. He said to them, come on, tell me, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? You see, they expect him to to know all that has happened in the past days. He does. But he presses them to tell him their side of the story. (laughs) I mentioned this this morning, but I sometimes watch... um, Good Morning Britain on ITV in, uh, with Piers Morgan as the interviewer. Do any of you do that? No? Oh, well, I don't encourage you to, but uh, uh, he asks the questions uh, of the people that he's interviewing, but he rarely gives the interviewee time to answer. He dominates and he states his own opinion. He doesn't appear to have time to listen to them. Jesus wasn't like Piers Morgan at all. He listens, and he just gives them his full attention. You see, this opportunity to tell someone else how they feel and to be listened to is in many ways the beginning for them of just being consoled. Haven't you discovered this in life? Just to share your story with somebody, tell them, especially if you're in the valley. Oh, it's lovely. He's that pressure, and he knew that. And he let them talk. And when he mentions their sadness, you notice I I emphasize that when I read it out, as you walk and are sad, he said to them. You know, when he mentioned their sadness, expressing in many ways empathy, how they must have warmed to this man who, ah, this man who had read their body language, as it were, and the signals that they were sending out. Here was someone who'd clearly identified with what they were feeling and was now reflecting it to them. 
And it goes on, and Jesus lets them go on telling their story. Come on, he says, what things have happened? What things have happened in these last days? So they said to him, we worked out how far they'd probably walked at this stage. <coughs> probably gone a long way. One commentator reckons they'd gone about halfway through the seven-mile journey. And Jesus wasn't rushing off to get on with the next encounter. He knew that it takes time. It takes time for people to tell their story and just unburden their heart. He doesn't cut them short, but he just continues just to listen. So important. He's got the answer. In fact, he is the answer to all their problems and to their valley, as it were. But he wants them to discover it for themselves. He could so easily have responded to his own questions with the facts, but he understands the importance of this process of the journey. Page 62, as we move on. Jesus has walked with the two disciples. He's listened to to them, and he's hardly spoken to them. He said very little, asked a couple of questions, but at this stage, he really has earned the right to speak. He's taken time to understand what they've experienced. He he's, feels the pain and the hurt that they have. And, wow, he's just shown them such respect. And now he carefronts them. That's what the book says. He carefronts them. Anybody like to tell me what carefronting means? Carefronting. I'm, I'm going, it's, I've got it down here. It's a new word for me, uh, and I suspect a new word for most of you, looking by at your blank faces. Uh, carefronting shows care and concern for the individual. Jesus carefronts them, showing care and concern for the individual, not challenging the issue, not so much trying to change the person, but trying to help them see themselves more accurately. Okay, just a reminder, when we, we can care front somebody, we show care and concern for them. And that's what he does. And he helps them to face reality. He helps them to focus on perspective and hope. And then he said, wow, he, he goes for them, doesn't he, in some ways? One version says, oh, foolish ones, he said to them, and slow of heart. I think the version that you read this morning said, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. J.B. Phillips says, aren't you failing to understand and slow to believe? Challenges them. You see, Jesus wants them to understand the reality of their situation and circumstances. So he goes on to use something very familiar to them, referring all that the prophets wrote about in the scriptures. He wants them to regain their perspective of all that was prophesied about this man, Jesus. To see and know that this prophecy has been fulfilled and that there is that sure and certain hope. And as he quoted Moses and all the scripture prophets, Jesus, of course, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's talking about himself. The one of whom John says in his gospel, we beheld his glory 
full of grace and truth. Yes, Jesus has just graced these disciples as he's walked with them. Sorry for using the verb grace as a verb, but you know what I mean. He's graced them, hasn't he, with his presence. And now, he brings truth. He brings truth, just linking their story to his story. No wonder that later they referred to their hearts warming and being set on fire when Jesus had opened up the scriptures to them with the truth. The truth in love, of course. But not only does he bring grace and truth to them, he goes on to minister to their need. And as they drew near to the village, Cleopas and his fellow disciples just begged Jesus. I gather it's a very strong word. It means constrained Jesus. Twisted his arm almost. You know, said, come on, jolly well coming. They wanted to stay in, they wanted him to stay in their home with them. And he went in at this urgent request. He sat down to eat. He took bread. He blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to them. Do you know this, this friend... This caring friend had gained their confidence and trust. Of course, the risen Christ of grace and truth had just poured himself into their lives. And now they are so connected that they are communing and sharing grace and truth together. And when Jesus blessed the bread and broke it, this was the moment that literally brought enlightenment, didn't it? What does the scripture say? Their eyes were opened and they knew him. This was their epiphany moment. The scales fell from their eyes and they saw the light. They saw the Jesus who they needed in their struggle and dejection. And suddenly, hope was restored. Sadness was dispersed and they'd been re-energized. Look at it there, with a spring in their step and a refreshed joy in their hearts on fire. They set out, where? All the way back on this seven-mile journey to Jerusalem. What time of evening was it? No idea. Might have been dark. But on their way back to Jerusalem. Why? Because they realized that there were other people to journey with, others who were struggling and who were desperately needy, and they had a story to tell. And you know, it's a story that we have to tell. To tell of Jesus, of my Jesus, of our Jesus, who came alongside us at the cross, who forgave our sin and our guilt the one who set us on a journey where we can come alongside others with the grace and the truth that he has imparted to us. Oh, you know, whatever measure of grace and truth that we have received, come on, let's take that resource to go and journey with others. Oh, and may God quicken in each one of us the possibility and the potential of using our journey and the gift of that journey 
and of life's experience when we come alongside others. What was that verse in Corinthians? Jesus comes alongside us when we go through hard times and he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. The NIV puts it slightly differently and says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Come on, folks. Let's take that to heart and respond this week. Who are you going to meet? Who are you going to go walk alongside? Who are you going to journey with? You've got the resources. You've got the gift. Use it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for journeying with us. Oh, journey with us especially at those times when we've been in a valley of trouble, those times when you've rescued us in one of life's storms or you've saved us from sinking when sailing on turbulent waters. Oh, come now. Come now, Lord Jesus, and take us and use us to journey with others to share the grace and the truth which we've experienced as you stood alongside us. And may we ever be mindful that you're journeying with us day by day on the calm waters too, mindful of your promise never to leave us or desert us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, our loving, caring, faithful Lord and Saviour. Amen.